0: What do you want, Dave? You're doing the podcast. You can't do the podcast with us. That was awesome. I just told my dog she couldn't do the podcast and she walked away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she listens to it about as frequently as everyone else does.
0: Maybe that's why we start the bearded carcast today. You know, we were going to make a, a, some low hanging fruit crack about the Cowboys, but I think we'll talk about our dog just walking away from not wanting to be a part of this podcast. This is the bearded <laughs> carcast. Yeah. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman, alongside. Welcome to another edition of the bearded carcast. So much to talk about, you know, and we. I guess we should probably start where we started last week, um, and, and I know a lot has to happen for what I'm about to suggest to actually happen, but. Uh, even though I didn't really watch, we had baseball practice, so I couldn't watch the first game. I kind of like having two Monday night games. I know it's probably yeah, it's not- interesting
1: you say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we talked last week about not really liking the Tuesday night game, and then I kind of enjoyed not having a Thursday night game last week and kind of having the day off and not feeling like you needed to watch that. But yeah, I kind of got into the two Monday night games too. I mean, the Bills and Chiefs was a legitimately good game. And I just thought Andy Reid was so smart. I mean, he realized the weather conditions weren't very good. He realized the Bills weren't playing particularly well and he didn't take an abundance of risks. So you didn't get the crazy Patrick Mahomes game because they didn't need the Matt Patrick Mahomes game, they just went about winning the football game. I mean, they kicked the field goal at the end to go up two scores. And even if Buffalo had scored on the back end, uh, you know, the 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 Chiefs were going to get out of there with a victory. I think good coaches do things that you just I, I, you were at the Panthers game. Yes. I thought the Bears were good, just as I anticipated they would be i think the bears are a good team they play defense very 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 few teams in the nfl play defense and their offense is so so mediocre okay serviceable something along those lines i think i think they're idiots for throwing the ball so much they can run the ball well enough where they can limit the number of total plays in the game, let their defense win the game. I, I don't understand what they're doing. Like, they're 5-1, and one, and they're significant underdogs coming up this week because people don't trust them and don't believe in them. Mm-hmm. I think they have the team to be pretty darn good. But they throw the ball way too much, and Nick Foles is okay. I mean, he's serviceable. He's all right. But but there were several instances in that game where I didn't understand why they weren't bleeding the clock or just kind of strategically using the running game.
0: And I'll say, just watching them live, I hadn't I didn't I hadn't really seen much of the Bears this season. Uh, you know, the defense was just you know you know all, along the front line, they would just you know they just completely controlled the line of scrimmage. And you know Teddy Bridgewater isn't a guy that really wants to run a lot, you know. Uh, but there about there was probably one or two maybe designed runs. The other, you know, six, uh, eight times that he had to scramble. Uh, he was, you know, not necessarily running for his life, but it was almost like that. And then he got sacked four times. Um, and our good friend Reggie Walker actually uh, texted me um, at the beginning of the postgame show. And he made a great point. And that Bears defense, I mean, you you essentially, you know, you talk about the defense having three levels, right? You know, you have the, the line, the linebackers, and the, the secondary. And they have, you know, potentially two all-pro uh, caliber players at each level. Uh,
1: and that's- Eddie Jackson might be the most underrated player in the NFL. I have never heard anybody talk about him when the Bears aren't playing. You don't think about him because you think of the pass rush. Every single time I watch the Bears play, that dude's just back in the secondary making plays. And, and I don't mean breaking up passes. I mean punching balls out and making game-changing plays. Yeah,
0: no, they were – I totally agree with your synopsis. I mean, I thought they did pass a little bit too much. Nick Foles, you know, to the Panthers' defensive credit, you know, they were forcing him to get the ball out quickly. Um, but the Bears, you know, if they run into the wrong team – they, they could they could be in trouble but you know they remind me a little bit of like uh you know one of those early 2000 ravens teams you know just really solid defense and the, you know the offense is, is good enough
1: they ran the ball 25 times and passed 39 times. Now, I'm not saying the running game was overly effective because it wasn't. But the point of the offense for the Bears isn't to score on every possession. It's to give the defense rest. Right. Like, like, They just need to move the sticks once or twice, play the field position game, and they're going to be just fine. And, and, yeah, maybe the the loss at Tarek Cohen has been significant. I'd like to see more imagination in their offense. I think they should be handing the ball off to wide receivers and running end arounds. I mean, look, take a look at some of the creative teams in the league, like New Orleans or Kansas City, and, and maybe the Bears don't have those sort of playmakers, but Cordell Patterson has been in the NFL forever. That guy can touch the ball five or six times a game in creative ways and, and, and see what you get out of it. I don't know that passing 40 times for Nick. Foles is a winning formula and particularly as that game was headed down the stretch and it looked like the Bears were going to win they had difficulty just running out the clock but I thought that was less about the running game and more about the play calling
0: so I thought this was interesting Um, and you know the Panthers really didn't punt very often but uh, the first punt uh, Ted Ginn Jr. was back there and everybody. that's another one there weren't a lot of people in the press box uh, for obvious reasons but I heard someone say, is that Ted Ginn? And then almost yeah. on cue, almost as if on cue, because the knock on him here was sometimes he couldn't ha- hang on to the football.
1: He drops that's the ball. That's been the knock on him for 15 years, <laughs> yeah, of but, course. So he drops
0: the ball, and I blurted out, "Of course, that, that's Ted Ginn. <laughs> now they recovered I mean, it, so it wasn't Ted Ginn, a turnover.
1: lightning fast, guy that can really, really make a play, Never caught the ball. I mean, he was a first-round pick, maybe a top-15 pick in Miami, and he couldn't catch the ball there either. But if you hand him the ball on an end-around, that's not a bad play. Yeah, he's older now. But him and Patterson are guys that they can use in creative ways as opposed to, I mean, this is a team that controlled the game and won the game 39 passes, 25 runs. Whereas the Panthers, who are the team trailing, ran it 29 times and passed it 29 times. And yeah, it wasn't Bridgewater's best game. It wasn't Bridgewater's best game because the Bears' defense is really quite good. That's the point of the exercise.
0: Well, and where where the Panthers have had success is using the whole field. uh, And the Bears basically took the edges away. So that took away a lot of the Panthers' advantage and so they kind of had to go up the middle. And it was interesting if you look at formationally the difference between this week and last week for Carolina. I mean, the Panthers ran a lot of tight, you know, tight to the line formations. I mean, a couple times they did have, you know, like uh, twins on both sides, but a lot of times it was in tight formations and that was basically because the, you know, the Bears kind of basically forced them to do that.
1: And the Bears are now in a situation, and, and who, who knows what's going to happen. That the, the season is very long. But if you think the Packers are going to win the NFC North, which I think most of us probably do, and we can talk about the Packers going down to Tampa Bay, and, and I mean – they. That was a weird game. In the fourth quarter, I was looking at the box score of a game that I had watched, trying to understand exactly what had happened. And I think it just comes down to those two plays. I mean, the pick six that Rodgers threw, and then on the next drive, the almost pick six, the interception that was returned inside the red zone, and Tampa Bay puts it into the end zone, and you've given away. 14 points i mean there's no doubt that tampa bay dominated the game but i really thought that came down to just two plays tampa bay wins by 28 points by four touchdowns but I, I thought those two plays were the entire game whoever finishes second in that division whether it be chicago who i think it is likely to be or if it's green bay the loser will be the fifth seed in the playoffs And they will get to go play the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, or Washington football team in the first round of the playoffs. I, I mean... There isn't a better road game to play in the playoffs in the history of sports than playing one of those teams. The Cowboys got smacked by about 40 points against a middling Arizona team on Monday Night Football last night. They've given up more points, I think, than anyone in the NFL. In the NFC, they've given up like 60 more points than any other team and they're leading the division. They're 2-4 and four with a half-game lead over Philly. The, the Eagles have exactly one victory. They're a half-game back in the division. The 1-5 Giants and Redskins are one back. They are one game off the pace.
0: It's crazy, right? I mean, can you imagine if Jason Garrett you know, was still in Dallas? You know What, they'd be uh, what saying? difference
1: would it make? Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett look like the same person.
0: No, but that's, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's
1: like, did, did you really upgrade? Uh, they you know? don't look they look interchangeable, but I mean, and Dak Prescott got hurt, but but still, it's not like they look good well, they before that. They I believe,
0: yeah, they weren't gangbusters with, with Dak to start the year.
1: Well, certainly not on the defensive, end. and those teams all play each other this week. I mean, get get your tickets now. This is why COVID is a good thing. People don't have to go to watch <laughs> the Giants and Philadelphia. People do not have to go watch the these these matchups of. Of Titans, it's unlike Dallas you. And it, it's,
0: it's unlike you to be the one that would find a silver lining in in a, in a pandemic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, so so I was talking to a friend of mine last night towards the end of the game. We were texting back and forth, and he is convinced the Eagles will win the division, Oof. best coach in the division, the quarterback will figure it out, yada yada yada. I'm like, have you watched them play? Yeah. They're awful. And he's like, well, have you watched the rest of the division play? And I'm like. Yeah, I mean, like, if you said to me, we're going to make a bet on who's going to win the division, I imagine the odds, and I'm I'm totally making this up off the top of my head, but the Cowboys, who have a one-game lead and probably came into the year as the most hyped team, they're somewhere around plus 100, a 50-50 chance. I would say the Eagles are probably plus 150, 3-2 chance to to win the division. The Giants and the Redskins are probably 6-8, 10-1. I would simply tell you I will put my wager in on the team that has the largest odds because these teams are are terrible. I mean, the the Washington football team with our old buddy Ron Rivera, they've lost five in a row. They are one game behind. (laughs) If the Redskins this week are able, or the former Redskins, the Washington Washington football football team this week, if they beat the Cowboys at home, this game is in D.C., doesn't seem... Un- impossible at all. They're a three-point underdog at home. Let's say Washington wins that game. Then if the Eagles beat the Cowboys, then uh, then the Redskins oh, I'm sorry, if the Eagles beat the Giants, then the Redskins, the former Redskins, would be a half game back. Or if the Giants beat the Eagles, the Redskins would be tied for first place. I mean, th- this division appears as though six wins might win the division. Seven wins might win the division. I mean, if you want to look forward six, eight, ten weeks, the big debate in media is going to be the should the winner of a division automatically get a right, playoff game. Right, right. That, if you have that, a losing That's record, what it's going.
0: Right, right.
1: Exactly. That we're going to have all of those debates again. And I'm going to – I don't know that this is going to be the popular side of the debate. I think you should. You have to count the division as something. It has to be meaningful it has to, be meaning- to right. win the division. I
0: totally agree with that. Like you can't I, I mean I understand from a parity standpoint you might say okay, maybe uh you should reseed, right? But I think there's got to be a um uh, you still have to have a reward for winning your division cuz you still won the division even if it was you backed into right. it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and it's like if the Bears go and play Dallas or Philly or the Giants or Washington in the first round, well, the Bears had an opportunity to win their division, and the Packers beat them, or vice versa. So as a non-division winner, you have to go play a division winner. Guess what? The Bears or Packers would be a big favorite in that game, and that's perfectly fine. But I, I don't think the structure is wrong. What's wrong is for incompetent franchises, in the NFL East. And your son is lucky to be a fan of one of those. I'm still not sure I understand this. I,
0: I don't understand how it happened. I, I My theory is that um, he was, and, and not, I'm not blaming uh, one of his position coaches in football, but I, I think that, uh, that, you know, because he really, he, he, his coach has been great to him, and he really likes his coach, and he's a Cowboys fan. So I, the only thing I can think of is that's where it comes from, but he swears it isn't. He says he he was a closet Cowboy. He's been a fan of Dak's. And so Dak was the, the the gateway drug to the Cowboys. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's embarrassing. It really I mean, in in a funny way because everyone goes, "What? You're a cow?" Because like, of course I think because he was born here that he'd be a Panthers fan, which makes sense. Uh, you know our heritage of being from New England. Uh, it would make sense if he were a Patriots fan, which he was up until about two years ago. Until this uh, this declaration of independence and
1: being a Cowboys fan, I don't get it. Well, they're giving up 35 points a game. Did you let him stay up and watch some or all of the game last night? Oh, it was hilarious.
0: Yeah, he watched, and then um, he did have to go to bed because he, he, you know, he had practiced yesterday, full day of school.
1: So it was... I had to go to bed too. That wasn't <laughs> worth watching. Nobody, you
0: know, while the game was still in hand, it wasn't out of hand yet. I mean, maybe it was like 14 nothing, and they were driving. And he's like, Dad, maybe I should get an Andy Dalton jersey. I'm like, No, we're not. We're not doing that.
1: No offense, Hey, you got Galton, to stand up for the few redheads in the league. I know,
0: I know. Well, there, there is, he does have that ginger combo with him, but oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't mean, I don't
1: know. I don't know. Uh, we, we were watching the game last night, and, it, you know, the, the, to, the Cowboys are embarrassing, and I was kind of looking up who their backup quarterback was. It's a young guy from James Madison. and It doesn't matter. The offensive line, which coming into the year may have been the best in the NFL, They've lost two all pros. I don't know anyone that could function behind no, that. Ahead. And Dak Prescott yeah. certainly made the best of it because he is mobile. Andy Dalton is not. And and he's gonna get killed. Anyone that goes back there's gonna get killed unless they get some guys back. I mean, that's the thing. They're a half game up in the division, but if the offensive linemen don't return and the defense doesn't get better I have absolutely no idea, except for the fact they get to play the Eagles, Giants, and Washington football team, how it is they're going to find wins to make the playoffs. The problem is, it's almost impossible to argue for anyone else in there, too.
0: Yeah. No, that whole division is just a its a dumpster fire right now.
1: It's brutal. If we switch gears to the other side of the league, the best teams in the NFL, in the AFC, which... By the way, we were talking last week about the Bills and the Patriots, and suddenly neither of them look particularly good. But I believe that only two unbeaten teams in the AFC, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, square off in Nashville this week. So, you know, I I don't know if this is an AFC uh, uh, championship game preview. I still like uh, Kansas City better than either of them. But, hey, 5-0 and is 5-0, and and you, you have to give credit to both of the organizations who have kind of overcome some stuff. Tennessee certainly uh, missing games with uh, the COVID situation. And Pittsburgh, uh, people are beginning to talk about them like they are really, really good, and I think the emergence of Chase Claypool, who – Golly, I mean, he looks just like Calvin Johnson. Um, That's been huge. I mean, when you can just insert a weapon like that. But they've played four of their five games at home. And their five wins are the Giants, Broncos, Texans, Eagles, and Browns. Yes, kicking the tar out of the Browns is semi-impressive since Cleveland came in looking pretty good. But I think the Browns are that, you know, 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven sort of team that we thought they were going into the year. It's funny to say it this way because we're used to Pittsburgh being good. I actually think Pittsburgh has more to prove than Tennessee just because all of those games have been at home and they haven't played any good teams. I don't know what to make of the Titans, who also have not played an overly strong schedule also have played three of their five games at home but I think we know who they are I mean their DNA is run the ball run the ball run the ball again and play just a pinch of defense and then set up the play action game for Ryan Tannehill it's funny that these are the two AFC unbeatens because I am not fully convinced of either of them
0: well talk to me in two weeks about um, Pittsburgh, because I think, you know, with back-to-back games against Tennessee and Baltimore on the road, you know, that I think this will give us a, a better indication of, of who they are. But when you look at uh, just how Tennessee is just running through people, uh, you know, I mean, Derrick Henry is just a legitimate battering ram, you know, I, you know it's funny that they, they are, they're, they're probably more in line with uh, old school football, like, you know, more ball control, more running uh, I agree with you I mean I, my guess if I had to say today who I thought was gonna represent the AFC I, w- I would probably say Tennessee I'd,
1: I'd probably say Tennessee and Kansas City Kansas City and Baltimore for me I mean I I said last week I'd take those two teams over the field to win the Super Bowl and I still would I think one of those teams will represent the AFC I think they're the two best teams Baltimore has the one loss it came against Kansas City they're five and one. Kansas City laid an egg against the Raiders two weeks ago, but I thought last night against Buffalo they kind of showed we don't even have to be at 100% to win. They didn't use Tyreek Hill. They didn't throw the ball a lot. They ran the ball. They controlled the line of scrimmage, and they beat a Buffalo team who is, you know, they're leading the AFC East. They're okay. I don't think they're great. You pointed last week to their schedule, which certainly gets much tougher and you know the first challenge didn't go particularly well. I mean, how are we feeling about the AFC East at this point? 4 and 2 Buffalo, 3 and 3 Miami, 2 and 3 New England and the Jets who are going to be relegated to the SEC. <laughs>
0: you know, it's I wouldn't say it's wide open. Um, but uh, and I say that because, you know, the, the Jets are 0 and 6, so they don't they don't count. So it's a, right now it's a it's a 3-3 three, team race. I think um just from a historical standpoint and how dominant New England has been, you can't count them out. However, uh, you know, they look really disjointed on Sunday. And, you know, maybe some of that was because of all the COVID stuff they've had to deal with. And, you know, I think maybe that does explain a little bit about how uh, good a coach Bill Belichick is. And that that sounds counterintuitive. It's like, well, if he's such a great coach, how could he not manage through this? But what I'm trying to say is, just that hands-on instruction—how vital and important that is, and the adjustments that you can make. You know, you can There's just some things you can't do virtually, right? And um, so I think, you know, I think that's a piece to the puzzle. Um, you know, Cam Newton, you know, had to sit out a week, you know, with, with dealing with the COVID stuff, and uh, you know, he had. It was an interesting, you know. Some of my friends in New England were. You know, I mean, there's some things they like about Cam, some things they don't like about Cam. I said, look, that's – like a game like that on Sunday, that's what you have to – like, that's just par for the course. And what I mean by that is you're going to get those with him. No, you're going to get the games where he's, you know, takes the game over and almost single-handedly wins. Uh, And then you're going to have games where he has a couple of interceptions. And, you know, and it wasn't all his fault. I mean, he doesn't um, – it's – what's interesting is, I think, is, you know, New England still doesn't have a great wide receiving core. I mean, they have Julian Edelman – uh, you know Henry's emerging. You know, of course, James White out of the backfield. But you know, if, if you could take any group of wide receivers, you know, New England's not the top of your list, and, and it's the same issues it, that that Tom Brady had. Although Tom Brady was, you know, able to you know overcome that. But um, you know, I don't know. You know, and then, there's
1: no talent. Yeah, there's no talent in the entire division. The Jets are embarrassing. The Dolphins and Bills are overachieving. And the Patriots have the same problem they had last year. Tom Brady, Cam Newton, whatever, they don't have any good players around those guys. I mean, say what you will about Cam Newton. He said some good games, he's had some bad games. Maybe the COVID thing kind of took him out of his rhythm. They don't have good players. You have to have good players to win at the highest level. They are going to be competitive. I still think they are going to win the division because I'm not a believer in Buffalo. I've watched all six of the Dolphins games. I am incredibly impressed by their coaching staff. I think the general manager has done a nice job, but they don't have guys that excite you. Their running back was picked in the seventh round. He's incredibly overachieving and playing very well. They have a ordinary, solid, okay, capable backup quarterback, and eventually Tool will play. They have one overpriced wide receiver and a couple of guys just kind of filling roles to their best of the ability, and they have an offensive line that is young, maybe overachieving at this point, but nothing that you're going to get that excited about. What they have is they have a good coaching staff, They have a game plan. They understand who they are. And they have Houston's first and second round draft picks next year. (laughs) The Laramie Tunsil trade is going to be the Herschel Walker trade. No one has paid any attention to this. Laramie Tunsil is a good and above average left tackle. The Dolphins got two ones and a two for him. If the Dolphins end up with the first or second pick, What do you think that's worth in a year where there are three high, high high-end quarterbacks and the Dolphins already have 2 at Atega-Vailoa? I mean, that trade is going to be talked about for years and years. And I don't know if the Dolphins are going to trade the pick or use it or leverage it in some way, but they are set up for success. Even the trade they made with Pittsburgh, where they traded a very good and very young safety. It didn't fit in their timeline. Minka Fitzpatrick was in his second year with the dolphins. They knew that this year was to a degree, a throwaway. They weren't going to make the playoffs by the time the dolphins are ready to compete. Seriously. It'll be next year or maybe the year after Minka Fitzpatrick's in his fourth or fifth year. And you're going to have to pay him instead You get a first-round draft pick for him. You push your timetable down the road. This is set up very nicely if Tua is as good as he looked at Alabama, if he stays healthy, for them to have everyone timed out on contracts about the same age to maximize their team in, you know, next year, year after, year after that. I don't know if it's going to work, but, boy, for a franchise that has been dysfunctional, it sure seems like they have struck gold here. They essentially traded all their good assets and they they forced Houston or Houston did it to themselves into a bad trade. And now they're loaded. They don't have a ton of great players, but they're 3-3, and and they have, you know, they beat the Jets like you're supposed to beat the Jets. A week after, they beat the 49ers impressively, and they are just professional. I mean, it's amazing. Sometimes you hire a 70-year-old offensive (laughs) coordinator, and people go, oh, it's a retread. The Dolphins hired a guy that's been a professional football coach for 40 years. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to run an offense. It's funny when you Watch them. They run Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Tua offense. So sometimes Ryan Fitzpatrick is asked to do some running around stuff. That you're like, what are they doing? Well, they don't want Tua to have to learn two offenses. So the fact that you know they punt a couple of plays, Fitzpatrick's actually better on his feet than most people think he is. But like they're running the Tua offense. Tua gets to sit and watch. He's redshirting the year. He'll play the last whatever six or eight games, or if there's an injury, he'll come in. But They have done such a good job of understanding there's no pressure or expectations. They're not supposed to win this year. If they win, if they make the playoffs great, but no one's going to sweat about it. No one's going to get amped up. They're not going to make a major trade at the deadline and, and forge over, give away a future asset. They get it. The bills are really the exact same thing. They're four and two and they're a year or maybe two ahead of the Dolphins with, with Josh Allen, and but they've made some of those same sort of asset-gathering trades. They made a couple of signings in free agency because this year, or maybe next year is the year, and, you know, they just seem to kind of be grounded in reality and get it. I still think the Patriots are going to find a way in that division, but their offense is mostly devoid of talent.
0: And has anybody gotten more out of a career than Ryan Fitzpatrick?
1: I mean, it's it's incredible. And 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 the thing is, it it goes so far in the NFL to be a good guy. Like if Ryan Fitzpatrick had his exact level of talent, which should allow you to play in the NFL in a backup role year after year after year. But you were a pain in the bud or you weren't helpful, then he wouldn't be sitting there next to Tua, who is the franchise and everyone knows he's the future. Fitzpatrick has embraced every role he's been given for 15 years. We need you to play. We need you to sit. We need you to mentor, whatever it is. Well, that attitude has made him a lot of money, and quite frankly, he's had a good career. Yeah, he's earned it. Yeah, absolutely. Carcast with Mike Pacheco, I'm Dave Friedman. Thanks for joining us. You can become a part of the program. Email us, carcastatoutlook.com. You can listen on Stitcher and SoundCloud. We would appreciate if you left us a review. We come at you each week during the football season. But, Mike, we're getting close to college basketball. We're about a month away, and then the schedule might not be complete, but we sort of have an idea of what Winthrop is doing. The uh, D1 ticker reported yesterday that the contract has been signed, and Winthrop will be playing in the bubble at Louisville. So we, we will be off to Louisville if we're allowed to be off to Louisville. If not, maybe we'll be broadcasting the games from your uh, newly uh, renovated house. Yeah, from the kitchen. That'd be that'd be exciting.
0: I'd have to, we'd have to get... Uh, kitchen Stadium. The Kitchen Stadium. We'd have to get, uh, we'd have to get some ring lights because we'd have to do some video, right? Uh, so we'd have to get some ring lights. Uh, we'd probably have to upgrade the internet a little bit because, you know, we'd want to try and tap into the ACC feeds if we could. Because uh, ACC Network will be, uh, you know, since that's an ACC Network uh, school that, uh, hopefully there'll be some good um, good video coming out. We might have to talk to Everett Hutto get uh, get some good tips on how we can um, siphon off some some good camera angles. But I'm I'm excited. I and, and I really hope it happens. Um, not not just selfishly for us, um, but I just think uh, if done done safely, I think you know the NBA and the NHL, and to some degree Major League Baseball at the playoffs, uh, they've shown that the bubble concept works.
1: Yep. Yep. I mean, if it's done right, if it's well organized, if it's resourced, it, it should go well. And I do like the idea of playing three, four, five, six games in one place over a short number of days because that's fewer flights, that's fewer buses, fewer hotels, fewer restaurants. If you can you can limit the number of places you go, the, the chances of staying healthy are a lot higher. And with The NCAA, my understanding is the way it's going to work in college basketball, if there is a positive test, the team is shut down for two weeks. So you can be losing a lot of games, and uh, therefore you need to do everything you can to avoid uh, uh, being shut down. But
0: let's be honest. I mean, the real reason you like this is just the efficiency of it because, uh, you know, in terms of game prep, uh, it's almost like being at like an NCAA tournament where, where you know, you're going to be some, well, <laughs> if, if you win, you know, you're going to be yep. somewhere
1: for a couple days. So the efficiency yep. angle well, is and, what then, you really like. Love the efficiency angle. You get rid of all that, that travel. You get to play good teams and, and games in short successioning. You don't have to move around. And then what they're talking about doing in a lot of uh, leagues, including the big South now is, You're going to play your round, Rob, and you're going to play your two games against all or most of the teams in your league. But if Winthrop plays two games this year against Charleston Southern, they'll come on a Thursday and a Saturday or a Friday and a Saturday at the same venue. And then you'll turn around the next week and play somebody else. You know, you'll play um, Hampton. So you could play. You know, Friday, Saturday, Charleston Southern at Charleston Southern both days. And then you're off for most of a week. And then the next weekend, play two games against Hampton. So you might go to Hampton, play Charleston Southern at home, go to Radford, play High Point at home. And I, I like that idea, too, because, again, it's less travel and you get your games in in a compact way. But, man, you talk about a way that the the schedule could be biased if you think and I'm just spitballing off the top of my head if you think Winthrop and UNC Asheville are the two best teams in the league and let's say Gardner-Webb's the third best team in the league and now you're uh Longwood well it makes a big difference to you whether you're playing those teams at home or on the road so some teams are going to play two of them at home and one on the road one of them at home two on the road Someone though is probably going to play all three of those teams on the road. That would be a a, a tough spot to be in.
0: Yeah, and and of course, you know the way that coaches are going to sell that is that uh, you know it doesn't matter. You know, Pat's going to be like, hey, it doesn't matter where we play, who we play. we you know we're going to do what we're going to do. But there there is. You know, from an analytics standpoint, I mean, there is there is value in what you're saying too, though, right? I mean, if 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 let's say. And and we don't know what the disparity is going to be, right? I mean, some years the top four, top five are closer. Sometimes it's really a three. Um, You don't want it to be. I mean, if it's, can you imagine if it's like the top three are just head and shoulders above everybody else, and then you know you you get uh, two of the others at home, and you only play one of the others on the
1: road. I mean, that's a big. You know, that could be a big big swing too. Right now, the flip side of it is. If you think that Winthrop is the best team in the league, and I think they'll be the preseason favorite, and I think it'll be close to unanimous. I think Winthrop is, on paper, the best team. A lot of yeah, things can happen that, yeah. between now and the end of the year, or quite frankly, between now and the beginning of the year. But um, if if you are a middle-of-the-road team, and you see the schedule, and you play two at Winthrop, initially you're going to think, ooh, that that's going to sting. We're going to have a difficult time winning one out of two but the backside of that is if winthrop came to your place your chances of winning one out of two increase but then you're gonna have to go somewhere else so maybe your chances of winning more overall games rise, because Winthrop is going to be a difficult team for you to play. But now you've got Presbyterian at home twice, whereas if you went to their place, you'd be battling it out to try to win one game. Now you got them coming to your place, and you're thinking you can beat them twice. So, you know, there there are a lot of politics, and people are going to posture, but this schedule is what it is. College football, Mike. Did you watch Clemson and Alabama on Saturday? It was really the first—I'm sorry, Alabama and Georgia on Saturday. It was really— it was really the first kind of big, big, must see TV game of the year. Well, I'll tell you what,
0: I would have watched that game, uh, but we went to Top Golf and uh, we didn't have the game on there. So I, I can't. Wow. Yeah. And I got to tell you. Who was, is we? Uh, so I went, Sam and John. And then okay. uh, we did, because you can have six people. So we met another family, uh, one of John's friends, his. Um, his friend's mom and his sister. And uh I think this
1: shows how big a college football fan you are.
0: Well, um it, so <laughs> we uh we tried to do this a couple weeks ago and it turns out that uh top golf is so popular that you, and because of protocols that you have to make reservations. And uh I was not in yep. charge of reservations. So this was um oh. so this was not a planned uh I didn't plan this if you can no, and I enjoyed it, and uh, it was good. We had a good time. It was fun. Uh, the thing I think the game was on one of the other bays, so I was kind of keeping an eye on it, but I didn't really. I can't really say that I was uh, dialed in, outside the fact
1: that I knew uh, Nick Saban was coaching. Well, that that was a story in itself. But the game, I knew a lot of people. My friend Pete Thamel wrote an article during the week on Yahoo that essentially said Alabama has turned into the team that Nick Saban always said he didn't want, that scores a million points and can't stop anyone. And Georgia is the old Alabama with the kind of pedestrian quarterback play, but the unbelievable stifling defense. And there were definitely people that thought this was the time for Georgia to beat Alabama. And the first half was good, exciting, competitive. Georgia probably looked better and in the second half alabama just took him to the woodshed and a big portion of that is georgia's quarterback isn't good enough he's an unbelievable story he walked on at georgia he left he went to a junior college he came back on scholarship and he won the job and 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 that's all great he he can't beat alabama if they put that guy out there against alabama ten times alabama's gonna beat him nine of them that guy's not good enough to beat Alabama and I believe if I'm not mistaken I think Georgia's backup quarterback is JT Daniels who transferred from USC and you know obviously there's a reason he transferred and he wasn't great there they got to give that a chance it doesn't it, it, it's not good enough with what they have it's interesting though to look at the top 25 Alabama is you know number one or two you know with Clemson who looks terrific they haven't played it ton but you know the win over miami was convincing and they've beaten everyone else alabama looks great there's nobody else i mean notre dame is ranked third right now they barely beat louisville i think i read that they have fewer big plays offensively fewer 20 and 30 yard explosive plays than almost any team in the country i mean ian book and the offense don't look particularly good after that It is a smorgasbord of mediocrity. Oklahoma State, I'm not that excited about them. Florida, Texas A&M, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is ranked in the top 10. And and again, I I think Luke Fickle has done a really good job, but they've beaten um, Army, USF, and Austin P. That's a top 10 team it's amazing. Now the big 10 comes back this week. Yes. So we're going to see a lot of other options. I, I am fascinated by the Minnesota, uh, Michigan game this week because Michigan it, it's time to prove it for Jim Harbaugh. And, and my understanding is his contract has fewer years left on it than any other power five coach in college football and, and what they're going to do is a fascinating situation because Jim Harbaugh has come in with a big name and he's consistently won eight, nine, ten games, but he has not beaten Ohio, Ohio state. state. Yeah. He has not gone to the Rose Bowl. He has not had them in the top five. And I mean, I can't tell you there are 10 college football coaches I would rather have than Jim Harbaugh but the results have not been worth the contract or the hype at this point.
0: Well, at some point the rubber has to hit the road. I mean, you have to in that job. I mean, that the, the Michigan job is one, is arguably a top 10 job, right? Would you agree with that? In, I don't called,
1: think it's arguable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. So, but you can't, you know, you can't uh you can't have that record against. I mean, he hasn't beaten Ohio State yet uh and the Rose Bowl those are two big things and and I think he's I mean I I, I don't know I you you're probably more dialed in with the fan base there I mean I think people still like him but I think they need to see a, a win over Ohio State a win over Ohio State would um I think would help his uh no doubt help his contract situation and you know he came in remember he came in didn't he come in with the the clock and he put the clock on when yep. the when the Ohio State game was going to be so I mean and that's great Yeah. and that enthusiasm is awesome but at some point, you got to, you know, the Khaki's got to win some games.
1: Yeah, it, exactly. And then they play Minnesota this week. And I was a skeptic of P.J. Fleck, who's, you know, Mr. Rah-Rah, but then you need to see it. Well, guess what? In the MAC, he was incredible. He's come to Minnesota. He's been incredible. They went 11-2 and last year. They beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl. I mean, what's Minnesota doing playing on a January 1st ball game? And... That is just a fascinating start to the Big Ten season where where Michigan is, is big blue in the history and the tradition, but they've underachieved recently, and Minnesota is on the rise. I'm very interested to watch that game. College football desperately needs another couple of teams that give you the, the maybe, it could be sort, because right now the odds that it's going to be clemson and alabama in the national championship game just seem overwhelmingly strong that's not to say that georgia with jt daniels maybe could give give alabama a game if they play a second time but the, the teams that look like they're kind of three, four, five. I mean, Notre Dame looks much more like a second tier ACC team with North Carolina and Virginia Tech than they do a team that's about to upset Clemson or Alabama. Yeah. Now, I like Notre Dame. I think Brian Kelly has done a terrific job. They've only given up 46 points in three games, but the offense has has to do more. Now, they've won. You know, all, all you can ask is for them to win, and they've won. But they didn't look good against Duke. They didn't look good against Louisville. They didn't cover against Florida State. And, you know, they blew out a bad USF team. So, we'll, we'll see. They, they should get healthy with wins over Pitt and Georgia Tech the next couple of yeah. weeks. But circle the date that first Saturday in, uh, in November when they play Clemson. That'll be... That'll be a, a big a big spot. It should be you know Clemson will be six and zero then, and Notre Dame will be five and zero, and that that will that'll tell us a lot. But I, I fear that what we're going to learn with Clemson Notre Dame is the same thing we learned with Georgia and Alabama that Alabama and Clemson are that much better than everybody else. Mike, the World Series begins tonight. Um, the the two LCSs were fantastic. I, I, as we discussed last week, did not enjoy the fact that I think at one point during the series, 25 of 31 runs for the Dodgers, has been scored via home run, but both series go the distance and they go down to the wire, and there's great drama. Um, v- very engaging and entertaining overall.
0: Well, and you got the, the two top seeds coming into the playoffs in their respective divisions. Um, you have the dichotomy of you know what? The Dodgers have three players that that make the the entire payroll of the Rays. So there's the kind of the David versus Goliath from a from a financial market size situation. Uh, Andrew Freeman, who's the Dodgers, he kind of runs the Dodgers operation now. He yep. helped build the, the Rays. Um, offensively is probably where the Dodgers um, are going to have a little bit of of the advantage. Pitching uh, maybe on the back end. Uh, maybe favors the Rays a little bit, or rather in the starting uh, situation. Although Clayton Kershaw is getting the start tonight um, against Tyler Glass now. I think that'll be a fun matchup. And which Clayton Kershaw is going to show up? Uh, you know, Is it the guy that struck out the 11 Astros in uh, in, uh, in 2017? Or is it the guy that c- kinda can't get that big win in the series? So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I I, I, I I haven't really been able to pin myself down. I think it's going to go at least six. I don't know if it's six or seven games. Uh, but I I do like I like the fact that there are a lot of contrasting stories here. Um, I think that gives this game a lot of um, you know it gives it a, it gives the series a lot of flair. Uh, I still remember Dave Roberts who had the, the one of the biggest stolen bases in Red Sox history. He's now managing the Dodgers. Uh, you know I think it's you know you maybe to a lesser extent because um, this is the this is the third World Series for the Dodgers in four years and they, they lost the first two. I wouldn't say this is quite the Jim Harbaugh situation, but you, you do got to kind of get the sense that Dave Roberts needs to win one of these, don't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't be the best team in baseball every year and have not won a World Series since 1990 or 1988. 1988. 1988. That's the Kirk Gibson yeah. uh, World Series. I mean, they are so uber-talented. And – it's crazy to think because they've been uber talented for years. Mookie Betts is their best player. Yeah. I mean, as a Red Sox fan, how can you watch this? Well,
0: yeah, I understand with that that point. But, you know, things happen,
1: right? And Did you see the Bob Ryan tweet about this? Or maybe it was Dan Shaughnessy, one of those old Boston sports writers, wrote that letting letting him go was the worst move since selling babe ruth
0: well i mean there's that move there's the the not getting the contracts in on time for carlton fisk and fred lynn uh i mean you know and of course you know obviously different administrations i'm just glad that um you know getting rid of mookie betts didn't finance no no nanette uh, that would have been that, that would have made it <laughs> full circle. No, you know, I mean, I think you know Mookie could have signed if he. I, I don't think he wanted to stay there. You know what I mean? And now I'm not the the offer that I think the Red Sox ended up giving him. I don't think was that much worse than the Dodgers. Um. So I mean, I I don't I don't think that was a case of the Red Sox didn't do enough. I mean, maybe they could have done more, but I think the case of you know Mookie. Probably wanted to you know see what life was like somewhere else, and I don't blame him for that.
1: I, you know, in this day and age, but they traded him, right? Did, maybe I have this wrong. My my memory of it was no, no, they did trade that him. He had they had no, left they, well, on his contract, and they well, well, they traded they traded, they traded him because he suspect he was they didn't think he was going to he sign. wasn't going to resign. Right, 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 right. Yeah.
0: So that that the point I'm trying to make is they kind of knew that he 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 wanted to test free agency. They knew he wasn't going to take. I just you he know, wasn't the
1: Milwaukee Bucks.
0: He wasn't gonna take this. He wasn't the gonna take a sweetheart hometown discount deal. That 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 was so. I mean, yeah, he he didn't sign right. to go away, but he he was traded away. But it was because he wasn't gonna sign for what uh, they knew. He, they didn't. They knew they weren't gonna yeah. be able to resign him.
1: I mean, the Bucks are in the same spot, right? Giannis is going to be a free agent after next year, and all indications are they are not gonna trade him, not knowing whether he's gonna come back or not, and they're gonna be a. A title contender. Maybe that was the difference. Maybe the Red Sox, even with Mookie Betts, weren't good enough to be a title contender. But regardless, hold on a minute. I, mean, I, got, I got a bigger. I got
0: a bigger Red Sox scandal or, or bigger Bob Ryan scandal. We got to talk about. Apparently, he had never heard uh-huh. of a Twix bar. What? Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I don't know if that was a legit thing or it was. I think it was. Uh, I saw that on Twitter. He'd never heard of a Twix bar, huh? How, I mean, for as much as that man has traveled, how do you
1: not run into a Twix bar? At a... How about how about Al Michaels, who is as good as anyone has ever been broadcasting NFL games? Who he, he made a vague reference to this on Sunday night, but I've heard him talk about this before. You know, he doesn't eat vegetables. Okay, I didn't know that, but okay, he just he just he doesn't he doesn't eat them. And, I, 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 like, I've heard him do podcasts podcast and stuff and talk about it, how he's just not interested in vegetables, he's never liked vegetables, yada, yada, yada. But, like, he made a, a veiled reference to it on Sunday night, and I was wondering how many people would have gotten it. But w- what is stranger, an adult who refuses to eat vegetables or an adult who doesn't know what a Twix bar is?
0: Well, I got to go back to this. Veg- like, so he doesn't, like, what does he have for a side? If he has a steak, what's his side?
1: like more meat it's a good question i mean I, yeah well i it, it would be interesting I to mean, see what can, he calls I mean, french fries a is vegetable tech, because is a french right right yeah, exactly yeah. yeah that's the question does he because well, french fries are a vegetable Potatoes they just vegetable, don't do you any good yeah yeah i mean it's fried and it's not good for you but yeah that that that's actually a good question i mean you think maybe um maybe he <laughs> at least he likes apples right does he yeah. eat apples I don't know if he eats apples. That would be a problem. I've always held Al Michaels in great regard, but if he doesn't like apples, we we could have a problem on our hand. We forgot to make our picks for the week. I think we're both four and two, though. I kind of stopped counting, but I I think we're both about about four and two. We've been pretty good. Well, you started out really, really strong. Well,
0: then the COVID
1: struck. Um, Yeah, then COVID struck. The Patriots are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the – 49ers this week in New England.
0: I'm going to go New England. This is a big bounce back game and I think they have to flex their muscle here. Now, San Francisco is a team that they had a bounce back game last week or this past week. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, kind of getting back on track, but I'm going to take New England uh, at home against the 49ers.
1: Yeah. I like several games this week. I like uh, I like Vegas getting three at home against Tampa. I like the Bears getting five and a half against the Rams. I don't know which one. I got, I'll i go with the Bears. I've had the Bears the last two weeks. They've been good to me. They're getting a, a bunch of points. I'll, I'll go with the Bears again. The Bears. I like the way they play defense. I think they're going to play close games. I mean, one of these weeks, Nick Foles is going to screw it up, and, <laughs> and the coach might screw it up too, but – but I, I I like the way they play defense and they're getting a bunch of points. So.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. Another. There you have it. Wonderful edition of the Bearded Carcast. We have not seen my dog since she walked away at the beginning. So. Don't be no. like my dog. Do Keep listening. She... Subscribe.
1: <laughs> Leave a review. Maybe she went outside and hitchhiked and she's on her way to better times.
0: Well, she only has one uh, exit right now because the uh, screened-in porch is still being worked on and we have no stairs. So. Uh, mm. That door is shut, so I don't think she could escape.
1: Mm. So, Well, maybe she went where my dog goes most of the time, which is to take a nap. <laughs> I think
0: that's exactly what she did.
1: Thanks for listening. You can uh,
0: email us, CarCast at outlook.com. Follow along on Twitter, at beardedcarcast, and make sure, however you listen, whether it's Stitcher, SoundCloud, or iTunes, make sure you leave us a review, and make sure you subscribe. If there's ever any kind of issues, we had this a crazy issue last week where... Um, Dave couldn't see it, but if you subscribed, it was there. So uh, that's an Apple issue, Dave. I did do some research. It's the safest way to go. Safest way to go. If you if you want to stay up to date on the Bearded CarCast, make sure you subscribe. All right.